so dear God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. God is amazing, isn't he? So glad to be with you. Those of you that are here in person and those of you joining us online, thank you for joining us. We're excited about what God's doing and there's a lot happening. So had a wedding yesterday. We have a wedding today after service. Uh, a lot of things going on, you know, and we have the blessing of the Biker 16, uh, which there's flyers all around. Please take those and invite somebody and come back next week. It's going to be an amazing time, and our 16th year of doing that is just pretty mind-blowing. There's some also flyers for a ladies' event coming up on October 16th. Uh, the baptism is the 17th. There's a lot happening, like I said. We have a brand-new class that started today at 1045, which you missed if you're here. Uh, unless you went there and came in now, but uh, it's there every Sunday starting today. Pastor George and Linda are leading that. We also have uh, donations we're accepting and help with the, the blessing next week, so check all that out. And let's see here, what else do I have? New recovery and healing program going on. It's awesome. Things are going to be starting. You'll hear more information about that, but right now we have Life Recovery that meets at 1045 in the Glass Chapel. We have a prayer time that starts at 930 in the Glass Chapel. We have uh, another um, Tuesday night, we have Celebrate Recovery that meets over in the Glass Chapel, and then we're going to start that new one at the end of October that is about uh, recovery and healing. So there's very many uh, opportunities for us to be involved in what God's doing, just so you guys know, and that stuff's coming. I want to look at uh, what God wants us to say today. I don't like giving commercials in the middle of the like, amazing time of encountering God in worship and the message that He has. So you guys, um, if you download the app, and keep that on your phone and uh, sign up for email if you don't want to put an app on your phone and get the information. That would be great. Um, let's do this. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and for the privilege that we have of serving you. We ask you to just be in these words that we would share today. May it all be about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I have a message from God. I believe every Sunday that there's a message from God, and it's not because of Dave, it's because of who God is, and he is so incredibly faithful that if we would put ourselves into that place of hearing from him, it's not just on Sundays that we hear from him because a pastor speaks a word, that God desires to speak into our life every day. And then as we gather together, there's something different about when the family of God comes together and a message from God is given in this setting. So I believe in the gathering of the body, and it's very biblically based, and it's not, you are not called to be part of a, a body by yourself. You can't be. God's Word teaches us this, that we're part of a body. We're part of God's family. So we need to come together to worship Him and to be the body of Christ. And now, as we've done this through the years, you know, churches have formed throughout the world. And we have, in the New Testament church of today and for several decades, I'm going to say before I was ever even conscious of what was happening in the world around me, the New Testament church that is here existing in the United States has... Uh, majority of the time spoken a message that would emphasize God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace, and God's forgiveness, which are all true messages, okay? So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but these have been the dominant messages the church has preached to people for several decades. And to the point where I believe that the, the modern Christian church no longer sees the fullness of who God is. We have a, a tainted view of Him, and it's only that element of who God is. Now, God is love. Don't forget that, and I'm not changing anything in who God is. I want us to hear what God has to say today, because it's critically important for us to know that God is love, but we in our culture have misunderstood what love is in the first place, so we always think of something that makes me feel good, warm, sensitive, and all that kind of stuff, like an emotional feeling. God is not an emotional feeling. He's not a warm, sensitive thing that comes to us. God is God. And so God is love, and therefore we have misinterpreted who He is, and we began to view Him in this context of good feeling rather than seeing the fullness of who God is. See, God is a righteous God, and God is a judging God based on His righteousness, based on love. But we don't see love and judgment and discipline 
as love, right? We don't see it that way. It's not the way we've been taught what love is, but love is discipline. There is only love within boundaries. We've been doing a lot of weddings lately. And the reason why a lot of people in our culture don't want to get married is they don't want to get what? Tied down. It's true. We want the benefits of a relationship, so we want to sleep together. We want to have material things together, but I'm not going to marry you because once I marry you, what? I'm all in. I'm committed. I'm tied down. I've got boundaries. We don't like that. We want to experience love with no boundaries. And so our culture has rejected marriage as a whole because I'd rather just experience the benefits without the requirements. And I'm sorry, church, but I think we've taught salvation and the relationship with God very similar to that. Like it's all one-sided. Like this relationship is all God-giving to me and I don't have boundaries or commitments within this relationship. There are definite boundaries in this relationship of God and there's consequences when we go outside of those. Okay? All right. So here's God. Here's who I am, God says. This is what I require. God says, I require you to live in full obedience to me in relationship. Right? It's what he established. Sin broke that. Sin severed the relationship with God because sin is disobedience. And as soon as that happened, we became absent of love because God was no longer in us. So the church today has not talked about the fact, nor do we promote the fact, that you see God's the one that severed the relationship based on the actions of human beings. You follow me? I mean, God established the law and therefore it had to happen. So therefore, when we broke that law, we caused the severing. And God says, I will no longer be in that relationship because I cannot be. Okay, so then God says, however, I, God, am love and in who I am, I want to create a way for you to come back to me. Nothing we could do to make that happen. God's like, I love you. Therefore, I will make a way to restore a relationship with you because that is who I am. God is a God of restoration and forgiveness and redeeming and healing. He is. But He's also a God of righteousness and judgment and says, there is only one way to this relationship. That's His way. And we in the church today have tried to negotiate with God and make people comfortable in their own way saying that God is merciful, forgiving, and loving and therefore He will not hold you accountable to the choices that you're making. And that is not biblically true. That is not who God is, church. Therefore, when we see who God is in His Word, in the fullness of God, here's what we have done. We see God in the Old Testament and... We don't like that God very much. It's true. Because you see, when you look into the Old Testament, we see the rawness of the judgment of God. God is like severe. And we're not comfortable with that. Like, if I make a statement like, God is a warrior, a lot of people are like, that's like a warrior, you know. Their whole person is about fighting. But do you know that God's word says that he is a warrior? Do you know that it says in God's word that he causes wars? We don't want to hear that. We're like, well, no, God's a God of love. God is a God of wars. God is a God of righteousness. And so when we see the fullness of who God is, He's calling us into this place so that we in the church understand that God is a God of obedience. And He is calling people saying, you will live my way or you can live your way. 
There are consequences on both sides, but trust, trust me, this is God. You want these, not these. So let's look in the Old Testament for a minute. Church, we need to hear this because there is this powerful message that God speaks. Jerusalem is the capital of Judah. Israel is a separate nation. Their disobedience to God and sin and rejection of things caused their nation to split apart. And so God now sends Jeremiah, the prophet, to his people in Judah with this word. Church, I'm going to take this message that God has given, and we need to hear it in the context. God looks to Jeremiah and says, check it out. I want you to go to the potter's house and watch him for a minute. Goes down there, and the potter's like working on a vessel, and he's like making a bowl, so to speak. I don't know what he was making. God doesn't say. He just said he's making something, and it got messed up. And so because it got messed up, he decided to change it and make it something different. And God says, Jeremiah, I want you to know that's me. And I can do whatever I want to do. So in the midst of this, this is a word from God, church, that we need to hear today. If at any time, this is God speaking, I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed... And if that nation, I warn, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Church, did you hear that? God's saying like, look, I have given a word. And it is I who will destroy nations. And I warn the nations that I am coming. And I want them to know that I am a God that is good to his word. But God is a God of mercy. We hear it right here. He says, If that nation that I am coming against to tear down, to destroy, will repent. Oh, thank you, God. I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Man, is that awesome. Scary and awesome. (laughs) Amen. All right, listen now. It's not done. And if at another time I announce, again, this is God speaking, that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. And, dear God, let this word go across the United States of America today. As we listen to this church and I hear this, it's like, oh God, the prophetic message God sent through Jeremiah was God saying, judgment's coming. I want you to repent. I want you to come to me. But if you don't, I will come. (laughs) Church, there's no question in my mind that as I read this scripture, that the judgment of God is coming against the United States of America. No doubt about it. I believe that God has spoken His judgment against us. See, God is not okay with people that call Him God and not serve Him, that talk about Him but don't do what He says. He's not okay with that. He's not okay with people who to the world represent Him and then they're not true to Him. We as a nation have rejected Him as God in so many ways. And God says, I'm going to do something here. I want you to see this. So God is talking to His people. He sends Jeremiah and He says, tell them this. And the people are hearing the message and they're listening to it. And here it is, church. God was giving a warning message that judgment's coming. But if they repent, God says, I am a God of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And I will stop my first plan and give another one. Oh, dear God, please send another one. Because you see that God is a God of righteousness and he is a judging God. And he demands obedience from his people. He demands obedience 
even though he's slow to anger and he desires repentance and restoration, he is righteous and he is good to his word. The message that he gave to Jeremiah didn't end right there. It continued. Listen to what he says to the prophet. Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. Church, there's no scarier sentence than that one. You let them know. He says, God says, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and reform your ways and your actions. So God is saying to the people, look, this isn't a game. You're not in this to like go over here and convince something. He's like, look, I am coming against you. You better understand what I'm saying. So God gives this warning and he offers the opportunity for repentance. But listen, God continues his message to Jeremiah with these horrific words. But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. It's no use. People saw failure to obey as who they were. You see, they were like, it's, I hear it. I know who God is. I know He's good to His Word. I know who He is, but I am who I am. And it's no use. I can't change. Is that crazy or what? Many of us in our walk with God have viewed certain areas of our lives as the same way they have. As God has spoken a message to us or a word and He's called us to change something about our walk with Him and who we are, and we make excuses for it or we say it's no use, it's who I am. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that. It's just who I am. Church, listen, this is what the people said in response to God saying, you need to repent and change, but it's just who we are. So we as a people, as Christian people, need to understand that we cannot allow ourselves to believe that we can't change or that God is not God enough to instill within me the ability to change. Because in truth, that's what we're seeing. We're saying that God isn't more powerful than whatever this thing is in my life. And God is God, and He's the one that's calling us to this moment of repentance and saying, I want this to be gone. And we are saying back to Him, it's pretty useless, we can't change. I can't do that. Now church, I want you to know there's no doubt that we in our human can't change. And many of us feel guilty about stuff in our life. And therefore, we've come forward and repented to God and said, I'm going to change. But I want you to know the reason you failed is because you went out trying to do it and it wasn't God maybe talking in the first place. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was God and you believe the devil. Whatever the reason is, church, the only reason we don't change is because we've not submitted to the fullness of who God is. Because God says, if you obey me, I will come with you, not against you. But if you disobey me, I will come against you. Our failures are a result of us trusting ourselves and not surrendering to God. We make excuses for failures in our life and we talk about us just being human or I'm just a sinner or I've constantly failed. It's like, why are you doing it? Is God not bigger than that stuff in your life? God is calling us and He's saying you need to change. We have viewed these things as unchangeable and therefore we simply have bypassed that area of our life. God's like, I'm not okay with that. Churches are embracing people and just kind of letting them be okay with what's broken and sin in their lives. 
because something's been a part of our life for a long time, or I've been doing something for a long time, doesn't mean that you can't change or that God doesn't want to change you. Oftentimes, we feel powerless to change. And sometimes we've been defeated so often that we don't even come to God anymore. We just live in our defeated state. We feel miserable when the presence of God because it's like, I already know I'm screwing up right here and I've been, so I'm going to. So it's like, why bother? Fact of the matter is, God says, when you come at it with a human perspective in your own strength, you're going to fail. But when God says, if I am calling you to do this, not only have I called you, I have equipped you and I've given you the Holy Spirit, therefore you can. It's our faith, church, that's struggling. God says... I can be this God or I can be this God. It's your choice. I can be the God of forgiveness and healing and restoration and power or I can be the God of judgment and wrath. And it's all up to us. It's completely up to us who He is in our life, in the church, in our home, and in the world around us. It's our responsibility. All it takes is our obedience to change God's plan. The reality is, we can have God's blessing in our life or God's judgment as individuals, as families, as churches, and as a nation. But it's our choice and how we obey Him and what that means and how that looks. Too many pastors and churches and Christians only want to hear the positive, encouraging message of affirmation and blessing. And we have way overdone it on that side of things. I'm th- Church, you know this. We have heard all those messages that we want to hear because we want to feel good about ourselves and the way we're living and what we're doing and that we're trying. I know the world is full of discouraging messages. I get it. I don't watch the news because everything about them is just like gloom and doom about everything. And I don't watch it because I don't want to hear that garbage. I hate it. I watch the headlines and know what's happening, so I'm not ignorant of the world, but I'm not going to subject myself to their constant bombardment of darkness. All right? However, church, at the same time, we can't just always be like certain radio station here positive encouraging (laughs) all right there's more than that right way more than that so as we consider that then what we need to see is the results or outcomes are determined by our obedience to god so it's on me It's either from God's perspective and it's up to us which road we take on that journey. Here's God's offer. You can go down that road or you can go down that road. Here's what I'm offering over here. Healing, restoration, hope, and a future. Here's what I'm offering over here. I'm coming against you. That seems like a no-brainer to me. America's going to fall to the judgment of God. Church, let me repeat that. The United States of America is going to fall to the judgment of God. That's scary. And this is why we have rejected God as a nation. But it's not just that we've rejected God. It's because we owned God. We represented God to the world And in so doing, we have tainted and tarnished His name. Because the world saw America as Christian. You know, we printed it in our money. I think it's significant that our forefathers printed that on the money. In God we trust. There's a message there. They were warning us not to trust material things. There was a message to us that life isn't about finances or material stuff. It's about God. In God we trust, not this stuff. But America, many years before our current president, many years before our prior president, many years before the one that preceded him and him and him, began to put our God worship on material things. We began to look at the flesh being satisfied 
as more important than satisfying God. That's why America is going to be judged. It's not because of a new political arena. Church, please hear me. The judgment of God is coming because we've rejected God. We've rejected the truth of His Word. We've rejected Jesus Christ. We will not accept who He is. As a nation, we've said no to God. That's what we've done. I'm not telling you and I have done that. I'm saying as a nation, we as a whole have done that. And I'm telling you, the majority of churches, and I said the majority, have embraced not holding the people to the truth. Therefore, the world has no clue about truth because the church is not embracing or proclaiming truth because we don't want to offend people. And God's Word says that the gospel is offensive. It's not all loving and warm and cozy and everybody come in here and everybody's going to feel better about themselves. No, the gospel is an offensive message because God's saying, I am not okay with what's wrong in your life and you need to repent and change. Right? Come on, church, that's God's word. We visit this story in 1 Kings chapter 22. Now, at this point in time, there are those two nations, Israel and Judah. They once were one people. Now they are two. King Jehoshaphat of Judah is a man of God and follows God's way. King of Israel, not so. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And yet we're, not, we're doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So like in history, they owned that. But in their disobedience, they had lost a lot of stuff. And he's like, you know, that city belongs to us. He's talking to Jehoshaphat. You know, we were once one, and that territory belonged to us. What are we going to do about that? Check it out. Listen. So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go fight with me? Go to Ramoth Gilead and fight with me. Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So he's acknowledging they have a history of one. He says, I'll join with you, of course. But listen, but Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first, seek the counsel of the Lord. <laughs> Think about it. He's like, hey, we can't just rely on what used to be. What used to be who we were or what we owned. We need to know what God's saying right now. Check it out. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? So remember, this is the ungodly king bringing prophets in and asking if he should go to war or not. Here's the message. Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. So here's the great message coming forth. King's hearing what he wants to hear. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? Think about that for a minute, right? Get that picture in your head. King of Israel sends for 400 prophets of the Lord. And Jehoshaphat is looking at the scene as a man of God and says, As I look around this room, this is him talking in his head, right? Things don't seem right. The message doesn't sound right. The people that I'm seeing don't look right. And so he says, hey, is there somebody that we can call on that actually says something from God? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? King of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. <laughs> yeah listen to it man isn't that awesome he's like I know who he is but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me but always bad he is Micaiah son of Imla church let that sink in Jehoshaphat says, we need to talk to God first. He says, sure, I'll call in my guys. I got 400 of them. They're going to come in here and tell me what I want to hear. Jehoshaphat's like, wait a minute. 
This message seems tainted. Where's God's man? Well, I know who he is, but I don't want to hear from him. Man, think about it. Is that crazy? It's so crazy. He's like, oh, I know that guy. I know he speaks truth. I know he speaks God's message. I don't want to hear it. That's crazy. This guy's talking about going to war. And he's like, I don't want to hear what God has to say. I just want to do something. So as we think about that, and he speaks these words, and he tells Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imla. The king should not say such thing, Jehoshaphat replied. He's like, you're wrong, dude. We need to hear from the guy that knows what God is and who he is and what he says. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imla, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before them. So like the messages didn't stop happening. So obviously the conversation between the kings happened right here. He sent a messenger. The whole while the good, good messages were being talked. It's still going on. Now Zedekiah, the son of Canana, had, had made iron horns and declared, this is what the Lord says, with these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. And all the prophets, all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hands. So you hear it? All they're speaking is the things he wanted to hear. All that stuff, like, yes, victory is yours. God's with you. You're going to win. Everything's going to be amazing. You're going to take back the city. Things are going to be restored like they used to be. It's going to be all good. What a great message. The messenger who goes to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Giving a little advice to the man of God. Like, hey, dude, listen. All the messages are good. Everybody's loving it. You need to make sure yours aligns with what they're saying. Make sure it's an affirming good word. I love when people do that. Come up to me and like, you know, messages have been a little down lately. You need to bring an encouraging word. They've been a little challenging and hard on us, and I don't really want to hear any more of that. Yeah, I've had people say that to me. Like, look, man, you need to, like, get your word a little bit more up. Get it exciting. I'm talking about what they're telling him, right? Please, only a message of victory. King doesn't want to hear about defeat or judgment. Micaiah, please, don't, don't do that. So here we go. Micaiah says, as surely as the Lord lives, I can only tell, tell him what the Lord tells me. He's like, it's not about me. It's not about what I say. It's about who's saying it, and he's God. And therefore, who am I to like, give you a message? I'm not giving it in the first place. That's what he's telling them. It's not me. This is God talking. Do you get it? When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? This is an awesome reply because I know we read these letters and we just kind of see it, but I know he was speaking sarcastically to the king right here. There's no question because of the response. Check it out. Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. So Micaiah gives that fake message, right? The king said to him, verse 16, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So he obviously knew the guy was being flippant with his message. No doubt about it. There's more in the story if you read it, and you'll see. So here you go. Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. So what's the message? Dude, you're dying. Your kingdom's over and you're out. God is going to remove you from the throne 
and you're going to die. Okay, what an awesome message. Listen to it, man. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesied anything good about me, but only bad? He's like, this is why I didn't want to hear this guy. I don't want to hear that. I knew he was going to come with something bad, negative, dark. I knew that. There it is, right up in his face. Dude, you're done. I don't want to hear it. We're going to jump down a few verses. Verse 26. The king of Israel then answered and ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. You hear that defiance? Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. He wasn't shy about it. He's like, everybody better be listening. This dude's not coming back. God has said so. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. You already see what kind of a person he is, right? But he thinks he can disguise himself and that he's going to escape. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Jumping down to verse 34, listen to this. But someone, don't even know who or where, drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran onto the floor of the chariot and that evening he died. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army. Listen, every man to his town, every man to his land. Remember the word of God? They're going to go home. There is no leader. God said, I'm going to remove you, dude. And he said, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to hide. I'll do my thing. I'll come home and do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And God said, no. So the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried him there. Church, the word of the Lord is truth. God is good to his word. He does not mess around. When God gives a word, he's like, this is my word. I mean, I love that about him, but at the same time, it's scary. Church, God's word will come to pass. His judgment will come against all who disobey. He does not have a special grace for the United States of America. He has the same grace for any and everyone who will be obedient to him. But he has the same judgment to come against any who will not be. And God holds people to a different standard that acknowledge who he is. That's not unbiblical, so don't go anywhere. To whom much is given, much will be required. That's God's word. I didn't just say something. That's God's word. And he's saying to us as a, as a people, we have all the words, right? Our money says in God we trust. We talk about a pledge of allegiance under God. We say all these things and we are all those things to the world looking at us. And God looks at us and he says, what I see is a people who kill innocent babies in abortion. I see a people who reject the truth about marriage and they're supporting the LBGT community. I see people who have fornication and live outside of marriage and have sex. I see people who are committing adultery. They have made a covenant with me and they step outside that covenant because they lost after someone else. I see a nation who promotes brokenness over godliness. I see a people who do not want to know the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to own their own truth. And churches are embracing that, saying, come on in. God's a God of love and forgiveness and mercy. Church, God's a God of judgment and righteousness. And the wrath of God will fall against all who disobey who He is and what He says. Church, all of it. All of it. 
We, are, we can be offended just like the king and like, oh my goodness, why is he saying that? You can't say those words today. We felt uncomfortable when I said a few of those comments because culture has said, you don't say that. God says, this is my truth. This is who I am. And we either live to his truth or we will fall to his judgment. That's why the judgment is coming against this nation, church, because we've rejected his truth. And not only has culture, which always rejects his truth, but the church has rejected his truth because we have not held his word as the truth. God's good to his word, man. That's an Old Testament example story there between those two kings, which is just an amazing account. But when we jump over into the New Testament, listen to what God's word says to us here in 2 Timothy 4. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor of a church right here, Second Timothy. Young Timothy was leading a congregation in a land. And the message that we read is one of these things called the pastoral epistles. So it is direction to church leadership. Please hear it, church. These are the directions of the Holy Spirit given to the man of God for the leader of the church of God. Hear it. Preach the word. First and foremost, lift up the word of God. Be prepared in season and out of season. So he's telling him whether it's acceptable to hear that word or not, you preach the truth. Whether culture embraces it or not, you preach the truth. You preach God's word regardless of if it's an acceptable word or rejected word. You preach God's word. He goes on from there and says this, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Look, we've overemphasized the encouraging part. Now, I want to encourage you, and this message can be encouraging if you're right. But if you notice something here in the Word, what he tells us is correct, rebuke, and encourage. So the encouragement comes after the correction and the rebuke. So if we're not getting it right, I want you to know judgment's coming. But if we repent and we correct the wrongs, then God will encourage us with His blessing. That's His Word. With great patience and careful instruction. That's the other part. So it's God saying to the man of God, the pastor, Dave, he's saying like, Dave, first off, you need to be way more patient than you are because when you speak the word, doesn't mean that everybody's going to jump and be right there. Let me work with them and you be patient. Just be faithful as you deliver it and make sure it's my word and it goes straight forth and it's what it is. But then you just be patient and let me do my thing. And be careful with your instructions that they're His, not His. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn, to their, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So here's the truth. It's like I'd rather hear the 400 prophets than the one. This is New Testament. This is the warning from God. God's word is saying like they're going to gather a whole bunch of people that just want to say what they want to hear and they're going to follow them and they're going to go there because they want to hear what they want to hear. And it doesn't matter if they even have known the truth. They're going to turn away from the truth because this word is more comforting and encouraging. This word is more like what I want to hear. Not what I need to hear. People have left churches all over because they don't want to hear it. And we just go to whatever church fits our choices, right? And this is God's word. He's saying, like, that's not what it's about. 
And he's telling the prophet Jeremiah, like, you need to speak. And then he says to Micaiah, you need to share this word. You need to let them know this is who I am and this is what I say. And it's my way or not. So I'm telling you, church, this is what I say. We as a people need to get our act together and align ourselves in every area of our life with what God is saying to us. I look at the United States of America and we have not fallen yet. Thank you, God. That's the mercy and grace of God. We deserve to fall. And so I see this little tiny window that's open that God's saying, repent or else, repent or else, repent or else. And look, do you remember the people's response? Like, ah, but it's who we are and this is where we're going. And so we boil that down a little bit more and let's say, what about the church and what about my home and what about my family and we begin to apply that there come on God's calling us to be obedient there and to hold to his truth and be what God's asked us to be in those arenas when we're faithful in those arenas and we begin to do that there it has the opportunity to spread and make an impact what happens to us a lot of times is we look at the big like the United States like no way <laughs> uh-uh but God's just asking us to look at this little simple, what we actually have control of is me and where I am. And if I'll repent and do what he's asking me to do, there's the possibility for obedience and repentance and God to move, right? That's God's word, man. He tells us this. God's message and challenges are not always all encouragement, but they include correction or rebuke so that we can end up being encouraged in the long run. So if you're still messing around with something in your life that the Holy Spirit has already talked with you about, this message is not encouraging. And it shouldn't be. You need to be corrected and rebuked. And it's like, who are you to say no to God? Who are we to negotiate and think that He's going to be okay with my junk when He's calling me out of it? Right? I mean, it's like God's saying, let's do this. But if you're right with God, and you can be and you should be, you can be fully obedient. People are like, well, yeah, oh, I'm not perfect. Now, I'm not saying that. Are you fully obedient, meaning are you doing what God is asking you to do right now? If you are, then you should be encouraged and excited. You should be. Church, because that's, that's the relationship God desires for us. And He's promised it for us. Because God promises to bless the obedient. So I was saying in the last service, you know, I was telling them when I first came to Christ, you know, I, I had not, I went to church my whole life because I was a pastor's kid and I listened to it and I told God no uh, multiple times and he was calling me and stuff and I'm like, you know, maybe someday or whatever, you know, I'd negotiate. You know how that stuff goes. You've done it. Uh, maybe it's not as often as I did. But anyway, all that stuff was going on. And when I came to Christ and I got saved, I uh, went to church, of course, the next week, and I was excited to be in church, and it came to the end of the service, and we did altar calls where I came from as well, and so, like, when the altar call would come, I was always used to being, like, really miserably uncomfortable, because I knew I was disobedient, and I knew I was going to hell if I died, I knew that, and so there was that conviction thing, and so I would start to try and distract myself and think about other stuff and just put that out of my mind, tell God to leave me alone, I don't want this, you know, so I was like miserable, and I was miserable in my life, so I was miserable right then, especially because now it was a time where God's saying, let's get it right, so that miserable feeling is conviction, so my first Sunday of being saved, I didn't have that, and I was totally confused. I was standing by my seat thinking, what's wrong with me? What is this? Why? For the first time, I didn't feel conviction. I didn't know what that was like to feel freedom. It's an amazing thing. And honestly, church, I'm telling you, I had to get used to it. And that's crazy. I mean, in a good way, it was crazy. Because, see, I was so used to being who I was that I had to learn who I am. And so when I found out who I was... And there was freedom in that. It was like, woo that's awesome, God. And so now I understand that I come to Him when He calls me. And it's not always rebuking or correcting. It's just aligning. Right? So it's like, now it's like there's an alignment going on. The alignment is me 
being Christ-like. So the conviction God brings in my life today because I'm in relationship with him is like, Dave, I want to, Jesus to be seen. And right here, there's too much Dave, and it needs to end. So whatever's going on in your life, see, the Holy Spirit's been faithful, and God's calling you. But if you won't let go of that, it becomes sin because it is disobedience. So when the Holy Spirit's moving, we react and we respond and we repent or we retract, only listen to what we want to hear and get away. We hide. We think that it's not going to hit us. It will. He knows. Are you a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? What do you hear from the Holy Spirit today? Are you hearing conviction, correction, rebuke, or assurance? You should hear one of those things. You can experience all of them today if you want to. It's totally up to you. God's like, here I am. We know each other. We've been talking. Are you going to respond or not? God says, it's my way or your way, whatever you want, but I want you to know you need to choose my way because if you go that way, I'm coming against you. So you just want to walk out and go to lunch today or you want to do something with God? Church, I'm asking you, seriously, do you want to do something with God so that you can walk out assured or do you want to walk out miserable? What are you struggling with? Are you just accepting this is who you are? Because God's like, that's not who I died to make you. You don't have to settle. There's so much more. Come on, man. The altar's open. Let's do it. Whatever God's talking to you about, would you stand with me and please come forward? Be obedient to the Holy Spirit as He calls. He's calling. Thank you. that you're a God of mercy and grace, God. Thank you. (laughs) Not one of us that is here today deserves your mercy and grace, but your love has offered it. And so we're here to recognize that we want to align with you in fullness and obedience, God. We don't want you to come against us. We want you to be for us. We sang about it. You're not against us. You are for us. But God, the only way that you are is when we say yes to you. (laughs) And so we're here to say yes, Lord. We're here to say yes. Yes. That is not who I am. It is you that I'm becoming, just like you've called me to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just relent and we repent and we lay this stuff down. Lord, we do today. Just agree with me, church. Just lay it down. It's all yours, God. We are all yours. That's not who we are, nor is it who we're going to be. We are going to walk out as warriors of the kingdom, men and women of God, focused on you and who you are in our life in full obedience no matter what. We glorify you, God, today in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. Amen. Amen. Church, let's go with the assurance of being men and women of God. Let's go with that absolute assurance. You can have that. It's a gift. He loves you. Let's take it with us and go and be the church. Amen? Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Yeah, he's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.